during the Apostle Paul's lifetime, the Scriptures tell us that uh, the Jewish people were under Roman rule. Uh, the Romans allowed them to govern themselves somewhat, uh, but ultimately they were the final say in many matters. And, and the Jewish people had to deal with, on an ongoing basis, uh, this, this oppression by the Roman people. Many people resented it. Uh, Jesus himself uh, said that uh, if, if a man asks you to go a mile, go with him too. And, and that came from this very thing. Because a Roman soldier could take you and say, I, you're going to carry my pack for a mile. And you had to carry the pack for a mile. And most of the time, there'd, there'd be a grudging and an anger and a frustration over it. And you'd take the pack and throw it down when you were done and you'd be on your way. But uh, this is the situation they were in. Not only was Israel being oppressed by a foreign power, but the Apostle Paul also experienced great persecution in his ministry. Uh, he was put in prison. Uh, he was beaten. Actually, one time he was stoned uh, and left for dead. Uh, and and they, uh, they'd left him outside the city, and God revived him, uh, and he stood up and went upon his way. Uh, one of his letters, he says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And yet, Paul was not a defeatist. He said, and in this we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nothing can separate us from his love. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors. And as God's people, we need to remember that regardless of what may go, be going on around us, God is still God and He is still with us. And we are more than conquerors in Him. Uh, Habakkuk is a, a, a Jewish prophet. Uh, he was prophesying before the captivity of Judah at the hands of the Babylonians. And he had been asking God, Lord, why aren't you judging the wickedness that we see around us? And we talked about that a little bit last week. Well, God is beginning to answer him in this scripture passage. And he says, look, Habakkuk, I have seen this wickedness. And I do have a plan of judging this wickedness. Uh, and let me tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to use the Chaldeans. Another name for the Babylonians. And he says, I'm going to use the Chaldeans, and, and they are going to come, and they're a fierce, and they're an impetuous people, and they will come, and in wickedness, and in a, being a law unto themselves, they will conquer the nation of Judah. And Habakkuk didn't really like that answer. He said, Lord, you're using the Chaldeans? They're worse than we are. Why would you use the Chaldeans to judge us? At least we're a little better than they are. And he leaves that question open. That's how the end of the chapter ends. He's asking God that question. But in the middle of this, he makes an affirmation that is important. And he says, look, we'll not die. God, you are holy. And he begins to talk about the character of God in the middle of it. And that gives him perspective in the midst of what he is facing. 
um, he learns that we can overcome in the trials and difficulties of life by faith. And as God's people, we are called to overcome by faith. We're the people of the resurrection. We can overcome in Jesus' name. And so uh, that's the title of my message, Overcoming by Faith. And look with me at Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 5. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded. For I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles, swooping to devour. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings, and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty, and their strength is in their God. Are you not from eternity, Lord my God, my Holy One? You will not die. Lord, you uh, appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things their portion is rich and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? So Habakkuk is very honest with God. By the way, that is a good example for you and me. God can handle us being honest with him. He knows what we're thinking anyway, doesn't he? So you might as well tell him what's on your heart. You might as well wrestle with the circumstances of life and bring those things to God with honesty. Um, But overcoming by faith, uh, what can we overcome in this life by faith? First, I want you to say we can overcome evil people. We can overcome evil people. Now, ultimately... The New Testament in the book of Ephesians tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our primary battle. Our battle is a spiritual battle. So our main enemy is not the people that stand against us. Our main enemy is Satan and his demons. But it is a reality that there are evil people to deal with as well. Uh, Though they may be empowered by Satan, uh, they are uh, oftentimes of their own will 
choosing to oppose the things of God. Um, we see this in our culture today, don't we? I heard somebody told me this morning uh, that in California they've told churches, not only can you not meet in your church, you can't meet in your home. I'm going to tell you something. That'll be the day the government tells me I can't meet and worship God in my home. But evil people that will come against the church of God, or in this case, the people of Judah. These people were, were not only evil people, they were powerful people. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon was the most mighty empire of that day. They defeated the Egyptians. They defeated everybody. There was nobody that could stand against them in their military power. Uh, they went forth and uh, conquered their enemies city by city and uh, were notorious for their cruelty. Uh, if you looked at them, you would think these people are un. Stoppable. And yet, God's people could overcome. You say, well, I thought Judah lost to Babylon. They did. But can you, do you know that you could lose as a nation and still overcome as God's people? You can. I, I mentioned the Apostle Paul earlier, but what about, uh, let's use Babylon as an example. Have you ever heard of Daniel? Daniel lived during the time of the captivity of Babylon. And I believe he overcame. He and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrived and prospered in captivity. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been put over the province of Babylon. Daniel was in charge of all of the officials of Babylon under the king. Uh, and this was in the midst of captivity. And not only did they, they prosper as people and individuals within the Babylonian Empire, uh, but they overcame spiritually. Daniel, who refused to eat the king's meat and made an appeal to the official that was over and said, look, look I don't want to eat the king's meat. It violates my commitment to God, and I don't want to do that. And so I, I want to honor God with what I eat. And so uh, God honored them. And he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were wiser and smarter than any of the other people that came out of the training the Babylonians had given them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow to worship Nebuchadnezzar. And as you know, uh, they were thrown in the fiery furnace. And it killed the guards that were bringing them to the furnace. But all it did to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was burn the bonds off so that they could walk freely. And Nebuchadnezzar ends up glorifying and honoring God in the midst of that situation and circumstance. Listen, God can overcome evil people. I remember Elisha, both Elijah and Elisha are great examples of that, but they uh, served in times of great wickedness. And oftentimes the king was wicked, and the king was coming against them, or foreign powers were coming against them. Uh, as they prophesied, uh, they had sent several armies against Elisha. And Elisha says, Lord, open my servant's eyes, Gehazi. Open his eyes. And Gehazi, who is so afraid by the armies, he op his, God opens his eyes and he sees armies of angels surrounding him on every side. Can I tell you something? We can overcome. Well, you say, well, what about Christians in places where they're persecuted? 
Listen, I think the greatest overcomers are those who overcome in situations of persecution. Um, we, I, I heard a, a, a fellow pastor share about his trip to China, and he was sitting there in, in the midst of a group of Chinese believers, and they were sharing, uh, this is what happened to me for the name of Christ. I was in prison this long, or I was tortured in this way. And, uh, and they were sharing their stories, of, of, and yet they were still there. They were still serving God. And can I tell you, the kingdom of God in China is exploding. People are being saved all over the place. I mean, there's an underground church there. The government is a communist government that hates religion, but they cannot stop what God is doing. They're overcoming. I want to tell you, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I believe we ought to vote. I believe we ought to to pray about our vote and vote as, as God leads us to vote and try to put the best people we can in office. But I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter if the Antichrist is president of the United States of America. God's people can still overcome. The world will not be over. God's kingdom, God will not fret in heaven if the wrong person ends up in the presidency or in the Congress. God is in charge. So we can overcome by faith. Now, uh, the Bible says... That the fruit of the Spirit is faith or faithfulness, some translations will say. And so as we are filled with the Spirit of God, we can trust God. Now, I I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have ever been afraid in your life? All of us, right? I mean, there are times, listen, uh, Elijah, as great a prophet of God as he was, he was Filled with fear after his great victory at Mount Carmel. And yet, God restored his soul and strengthened him once again in faith so he could complete the ministry that he had to complete. So God is sufficient, and we can come to him in prayer. We can take our burdens to him. We can take our struggles to him. We can take our fear, our anxiety, perhaps depression, We can take those things to God in in faith and in prayer, and God will strengthen our faith, and he'll meet us where we are, and we can overcome evil people. And by the way, one way that we overcome evil in this world is by speaking the truth. The truth is so powerful. Never fail to speak the truth of God's word because as, God, as you follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in that, God can use you in a profound way in the lives of people around you. Um, oftentimes, God will bring people to faith years later through a seed that was planted by a faithful Christian witness. It's powerful. So, uh, overcoming faith, what can we overcome? Well, we, or who, in this case? Evil people. Secondly, the overwhelming circumstances. Overwhelming circumstances. God uses some very vivid pictures here to describe the Babylonians and just how fierce a people they are. He calls them, uh, he says they're swifter than leopards. And I I did a little research on leopards this week. And, uh, uh, you know, leopards don't... uh, don't uh, run on tracks, you know, so it's kind of hard to gauge their speed. But 
they have clocked them as fast as 40 miles an hour, uh, and they can jump 20 to 30 feet in one bound. What they do is they sneak up on their prey, and then in a blinding flurry of speed and in a powerful bite, they crush their enemies. Pretty vivid picture, isn't it? Uh, then he uses the picture of wolves, and they, the uh, Hebrew scholars kind of kind of debate about how to translate this thing on wolves. But I think he's talking about sharpness, being able to see well, uh, and have having insight and discernment in how to win the battle. Because as you know, strategy is used to win battles, isn't it? So uh, the wolves have this special eyesight. God's given them a little disc in their eyes. And when they, when they are hunting at night, the input that they get into their eyes comes to their uh, optic nerve and flashes back to this reflective disc that then flashes back into their eye. And they get more input into their eyes. And they can see at night. Is that not amazing? This is what God has made. But <laughs> this is the insight. These wolves could hunt at night. They could see better than human beings can see he said, this, this enemy that I'm sending against you will have greater insight than you. Kind of, kind of an intimidating thing, isn't it, to think about. Then he mentions the eagle. He will swoop like an eagle whew, to capture you. Did you know eagles swoop 100 to 200 miles an hour when they swoop down to catch their prey? Impressive. <laughs> Uh, these things that God has made. But um, I can imagine that as Habakkuk heard this, his heart began to be overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that way about your circumstance? You, how can I deal with this? I, you know, I don't even know where to begin. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the strength. How will I face this situation? Overwhelming circumstances. We can overcome by faith. Um, Peter experienced this, right? He was chained to multiple Roman guards, okay? Not just one Roman guard, multiple Roman guards. I think he was probably witnessing in the middle of all that. I don't know, but uh, the Scripture says that they had already beheaded James, and they had planned to do the same to Peter. Herod had him arrested. He had him locked up in this prison, uh, chained to the guards. There's a guard at the door. There's a locked gate, a locked prison. In the middle of the night, he's laying there oblivious, and an angel hits him on the side and says, Wake up, Peter. You know, he's groggy, you know, he's wiping sleep out of his eyes, you know, and what? Yeah. <laughs> and he says, Get up, come with me. And the chains just fall off. Wouldn't that have been cool to see? And he's walking out. He thinks he's having a dream. You know, it's all, okay, I'm having a dream. Walk, the, the door opens. The gate opens. He's standing out there in the middle of the street, and all of a sudden, the angel's gone. And he's sitting there standing there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it took him a little while to wake up. And finally, he says, look. He says, I, God has delivered me. I thought I was having a dream. God has delivered me. Wow. This was an overwhelming circumstance. I was on death row. I was chained. I was bound. I was guarded. The king had set a death sentence against me. And yet with one command from God, all of that changed. 
overwhelming circumstances. Um, Peter and John, who had fled in the Garden of Gethsemane, stood before the Sanhedrin with boldness. Why? Because the Spirit of God had raised up their hearts in faith to stand there boldly and say, we ought to obey God rather than men. Sometimes there is a, a bed of sickness and we feel overwhelmed by the physical condition that we have. And we, we pray, perhaps God doesn't answer right away. Um, and we're going through this, this time and it seems impossible. It seems overwhelming. God can carry us through. He can also deliver us from. We've seen that happen in our church. We've seen answers to prayer where God has healed people. The doctor said wouldn't be healed. God is able to do that. Uh, but then he's also able to sustain us through, as he sustained Paul through with his thorn in the flesh. And so God is able. No matter what circumstance you face, overwhelming though it may be, as you bring your burdens to God and as his spirit is filling you and strengthening you in faith, you can overcome. Talking about overcoming sickness, uh, years ago there was a, an evangelist by the name of Manly Beasley, um, and uh, I, I used to, to listen to his instruction tapes, and he kind of he had a monotone voice, and we'd go on vacation, and, and I'd put those things in there, and within three minutes, everybody in the car would be asleep. And, I mean, it was like, boom. And, uh, but, uh, anyway, that's, he, he didn't preach that way, but that, that is the way he taught. Uh, but um, Manly Beasley had six terminal illnesses at once. The doctors, when they diagnosed him, told him he had six months to live. Over 12 years passed. He wasn't healed of his diseases. He continued to preach the gospel. And he would go to the doctor in the towns where he would visit as an evangelist so that they could diagnose him and see the miracle that God was working in his life. Many, many people came to faith in Christ. And the kingdom of God was greatly strengthened through his ministry. But I want to tell you something. Circumstances that could have overwhelmed him, he rose up in faith and he trusted God, and he persevered, and God gave him victory. So, overcoming by faith. We can overcome evil people, overwhelming circumstances. Thirdly, mortal danger. Mortal danger. In verse 12, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God, my Holy One? You will not die, or as um, some translate, we will not die. I think that's probably a little better. We will not die. A little manuscript difference there. Um, whether he's saying, you will not die, people of Judah, or we will not die, people of Judah. Not, the meaning's not that much different, is it? There was a mortal danger. He recognized that. As the Babylonians would come, he's not saying that no one would physically die. In, in battle, people die. But he's saying, look, God has made promises to the people of Judah. And in order for God to keep his promises, we have to keep going. And so, 
Uh, isn't it interesting that the people of Judah, also, that was actually one of the two parts of the nation of Israel that broke apart. The people of Israel as a whole are now back in the promised land in our modern day. Over a millennia after these words were written. God keeps his promises, doesn't he? Uh, listen, uh, he says, look, I recognize you've made promises to us. We will not die. And I put my faith in who you are, God. I recognize that even in times of mortal danger, you can sustain your people. Listen, God can, can sustain the church. He has sustained the church in mortal danger. I've already shared with you some of those cases. Uh, but it is truly amazing with the, the work of the enemy, uh, with, with uh, tyrants and kings and rulers that have tried to stamp out Christianity throughout history. It is truly a miracle of God that the church stands. But Jesus said these words to Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I tell you, God's church will stand. God's people will stand. And ultimately, mortal danger is in the hands of our God. Now, I want to tell you something. We as Christians have a unique position. We can call out to God, and God will often bring physical deliverance. What a great thing. I can't tell you how many prayers we have seen answered in this church. God's healed people. God's delivered people in situations. Um, so many prayers have been answered. But I'm going to tell you, if God doesn't deliver us physically, and we enter into a time of persecution, we can rejoice and be exceeding glad. Jesus said, for great is our reward in heaven. If they persecute you, they are giving you rewards <laughs> in heaven that can't be taken away. I had to send a check to the IRS this week. <sighs> I hate that. Um, listen, the IRS can't take your heavenly reward. It's up in heaven, protected by God himself imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept forever for you. So if they persecute you, if they say something falsely against you, if they harm you in some way physically, they are laying up treasure in heaven for you. What if they kill you? It's even better. <laughs> because if they kill you, number one, you get ushered straight into the presence of Jesus. And wouldn't you rather be there than here? I tell you what, after all these things we see going on in our country right now, I'm so ready for Jesus to come back. I, I'm ready. I, I'd hop on the train today. I, Lord, come. Uh, let this happen. Uh, but we're ushered in the presence of Jesus. And, and also, the book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that those who are persecuted and die for the sake of Jesus Christ receive a greater reward. Now, if you've read Hebrews 11, you know that there's all these awesome things that God did as his people trusted him in history of God's people. But the end of Hebrews 11 talks about those 
who are persecuted and killed for the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, of such the world wasn't worthy. He says, but this happened so that they might receive a greater inheritance. There's a special reward for people who die for the name of Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, I don't want to go through the process of death. Somebody once asked me, are you afraid of death? And I said, well, no, I'm not afraid of death, but I'm afraid of the process of getting there. <laughs> you know, I, I don't necessarily want to go through the process, but uh, the process may be hard and miserable and uncomfortable, but I want to tell you something. The rewards that we receive for Jesus Christ here are eternal. Mortal danger is not outside the control of God. We will not die. We will live. I'm convinced the church will continue on until Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom. We may get, I think we'll get raptured out seven years beforehand and there'll be another people saved. That's a little different story. But, but I'm convinced the church will continue. And then I'm also convinced that we are in God's hands. Psalm 139 says, Your days, my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. This day was written in God's book for you and for me. And should the day come when it is written in God's book that I give my life for the sake of Jesus' name, I pray that I will do it with faith and courage and I would honor my Savior. But if that's written in his book, it's going to take place, and I will be rewarded. It's in his control. Somebody once said, we're indestructible till God is finished with us. You say, well, that's not what the doctor told me. I can't tell you. I, a number of times I have been in the room when the doctor gave a diagnosis. Earl Port was one of them, Okay. They told Earl Portwood, they told his family, two weeks to live. Years later, Earl Portwood was still around. I don't know if the doctor was or not, but Earl was. And hey, listen, our God's in control. He, we are held in his hands. And so we can overcome by faith when we face mortal danger. And finally, we can overcome by faith when we face national judgment. I don't want our country to be judged. I think we are undergoing judgment. I don't think we're as far along the path as we will be if we don't repent as a nation. <clears throat> but God's people can overcome even in national judgment. By the way, that is part of what God was doing in the time that the Apostle Paul lived with the Roman occupation. He would predicted that years before by Daniel. And he'd said that the Messiah would come in this time period. So, God is sovereign over national judgment. And, and we can overcome as God's people even within times of national judgment. I think of um, Ruth and Boaz. I think I mentioned them a couple of weeks ago. But that's a perfect example of this. Uh, Judges was a very, very dark and wicked time in Israel's history. And God sustained Ruth, Boaz, Naomi. He sustained them all. 
in the midst of this dark time. And Boaz has strength. Uh, literally, the name Boaz means in him is strength. I like that. Because if you're a child of God, in you is strength. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And he can sustain you. And so they had, they had prosperity, but God was also fulfilling his plan. In the midst of this dark time, Ruth and Boaz would have a son, Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of David, King David. I want to tell you something. God will accomplish his plan. It doesn't matter who's in charge in this earthly world. It doesn't matter what forces come against us. It doesn't even matter the wickedness of the culture around us. God is still in charge. His purposes will still stand. Even in times of national judgment. National judgment fun? No. Is it hard? Yes. Will we need God's grace? Yes. Do we need to pray for revival? Yes. But regardless of what comes, God can sustain his people. We can overcome by faith. In the New Testament, the scripture says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Keep trusting Jesus. With the circumstances that you see, with your future, with your family, with your personal life, keep trusting him. And when you struggle, pray with that man prayed that wanted Jesus healing. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Change my heart. Fill me with your spirit and trust in me. And as you do, you will learn how to be an overcomer, regardless of the circumstance. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> National judgment can come to a nation, but individual judgment also comes to those who don't know Christ. And the Bible says, he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life, and the wrath of God remains on him. It's not that God doesn't love us, but, but God is just. And because God is just and he's holy, he has to punish sin. That's why the cross had to happen. Because there would be no other way. God couldn't just give us a pass. There had to be justice. And so justice is carried out upon Christ so that we could be forgiven. And, and he took our punishment for us. But if you don't repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus, you don't receive what Jesus has done for you. And then judgment still has to be carried out, but it won't be carried out upon Christ in your place. It will be carried out upon you. And that's not God's desire. Because the Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I just want to encourage you. Uh, the scripture says it this way. Christ died for sins once for all, all your sin, once Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
And what he asks you to do is to respond in faith. And that faith is expressed in choosing to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ and to receive Jesus into your life so that you can have eternal life. If you'd like to do that this morning, you can, in in just a simple prayer, uh, something like this, Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I can't save myself, but Lord, today I choose to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. And I put my trust in his work at the cross for my eternal life. And if, uh, if you'd like to make that decision with me, I'm going to bow. I'm going to ask you to pray along with me in your heart or out loud. Uh, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I can't save myself. But today I choose to turn from my sin in my own way. Uh, to receive Jesus into my life. To receive eternal life. And uh, I trust in the work of Jesus at the cross for my sin. And his resurrection. And uh, Lord, thank you for saving me in accordance with your promise. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let me know about that. Uh, Or if you're watching online, please let me know in the comments so I can pray for you. And I also would like to help you. Uh, with some materials if you're, if you're here in our local body to help you grow and, and, uh, in your walk with God. Christian, if you're here today and uh, you haven't been trusting the Lord, I just want to encourage you to say this, this simple prayer to the Lord. Lord, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Teach me to walk in the filling of the Spirit. All right. We are dismissed.